set, go! people. Nice to have you back. It's nice to be back. Just an update on some awards that we've recently won. Uh, Just a few days ago, I got notification that the Miami Film Critics Awards, we got Best Debut Filmmaker. Remember I told you that uh, a lot of these festivals have first film awards. And we didn't win Best Horror, but we got Outstanding Achievement. So they recognized the hike. We didn't win that one, but they did give us an Outstanding Achievement. I'll take it. The Paris Cine Fiesta. Now, the Paris Cine Fiesta, it's a monthly festival. You know, So you, you can be a monthly winner, and then they, they put your project in the pool at the end of the year for the, the grand prize winner. The Paris Cine Fiesta. We won Horror, Science Fiction, Genre, Feature Film. And we won another debut filmmaker from the same festival. The Dubai International Cine Carnival is another monthly festival. And we won horror feature film. And in that same festival, we also got another debut filmmaker. You know, this whole to audition or not to audition has really blown up my mailbag. (laughs) It really has. I'm actually tired of talking about it. I just want to break it down for you, bottom line it for you, and then we'll discuss just a little bit more, then we're done. If you're interested in an actor who has work, who has a body of work that you can see, and you like their look, and you see that they can act, don't audition them. Call them up on the phone, meet them in person, see how their personality is, and then decide if you want them in your movie or not. Period. That's it. As a matter of fact... I do want to be very transparent on uh, one thing that I thought about after the last episode was published. I want to let you all know, I did have auditions for the hike. My situation was, I was using Breakdown Express and Actors Access to find the cast that I was going to use in the hike. At the time, I didn't know about Backstage. I wasn't a member of Backstage when we were in pre-production for the hike. I wasn't even going to try to attach an A-lister. There's so many gatekeepers to get a script to an A-lister. You know, Harvey Keitel got the script for Reservoir Dogs through someone who knew Tarantino and also knew Harvey Keitel. It can be done. But to be honest with you, at the time, I didn't really want to even try to get an A-lister or a B-lister for that matter. Because for one, I was confident in my skills, but I wasn't quite sure how I would react with an A or a B lister. You know, someone with a lot of experience working with different directors. That was kind of intimidating to me. And there were moments that I didn't think that I was going to be able to talk to an experienced actor and get my point across. My confidence level was like a roller coaster at the time. Eventually, 
I did put my big boy pants on and uh, thought seriously about using any possible contact that I had through film school to get the script to this person or that person, this A-lister or this B-lister, just so we would have a familiar face on the poster. That's great for marketing and distribution, right? I realized that these people were union. These people were SAG actors. And if you remember our previous conversation about union actors, they're more expensive. You have a ton of hoops to jump through, a bunch of red tape, a bunch of paperwork. And you know, it, it, got, it got to a point where I was adding up the numbers and it would just be cheaper to get someone non-union. That's the biggest reason why I didn't chase after an A-lister. Now, you youngsters out there, if, if you're going to write a feature film, you're just thinking about your cast. I think I mentioned in the first season when you're writing your script, if all of Hollywood and all of, all of the world, let's just say all of the world, because there are some really great actors around the world, if you had your choice of anybody to play a particular role that you are writing, who would it be? Find that person, find a picture of them online, and put it over your computer. Look at that person while you're writing. It's amazing. It, it really helps motivate you to get up every day and sit your butt in that seat and write. So if you're a young'un and you have patience, you know, jump through the hoops. Go through all the gatekeepers. Try to get that script to an A-lister. Okay, back to my transparency story. So when you use Breakdown Express, Backstage, you're typically not going to get people who are leads in movies. That was my experience. I couldn't find someone who had the look that I was looking for. And along with that look, they had experience of carrying a movie, i.e. being the lead. Because when you're a lead, you have to carry the movie. I didn't want to have auditions. I felt like I didn't have enough actors who had experience to not have an audition. Does that make sense? Remember, I told you before, there's no reason to have an audition. If there's somebody you like, they have a great reel, you see their work. And if it's for a lead part, look and see if they have played a lead. Now, there, that's another juggling thing. You know, if you get somebody who's like been a character actor in independent movies and has never carried a movie, that's a tough choice. I'm all for giving somebody an opportunity. I would, I would love to give somebody an opportunity. And I, I did for the hike. But that's, that's a tough call. In that case, you know, you pretty much have to have an audition. So when I say don't have auditions, look, you know, if you've got somebody who's really experienced, who has carried movies, who, has, who have had lead roles in films, don't audition. But keep in mind, if you find an actor who has played a lead in an independent movie, chances are, as soon as that movie was done, he filled out the application to become a SAG actor. See, that's the catch-22. You want someone with experience, but yet you want to have a non-union shoot. But the people with experience signed up for SAG and their union. What do you do? Back to my story. I went to LA. I gathered up, you know, seven or eight different names for the male and the female lead. And I rented a room and I took my camera up and it was just me all by my lonesome. It wasn't a cattle call because I had slots. I had time slots for every actor or actress. And I didn't have actors and actresses together. I had... Casting for Derek was one day. Casting for Brooke was another day. And for sure, for sure, for sure, if you're going to have an audition like that, don't have a cattle call. Don't have them all come at one time. Make slots. Drop them into a slot. Take your camera. Please take a camera. Take your phone. Shoot it on something so you can play it back. 
And what you do, I was by myself, so what I did was I read the other lines with the actor. And then I could stop the camera, give them a note, then roll it again, and see if they responded to my note, just like we talked about last episode. If you're in a big city and you are going to have auditions and you have a list of actors that you're going to call in and you give them time slots, it's all good, but you got to have a place to audition. You can't have them. I mean, I guess you could have them come to your house, but I mean, who wants to do that? I don't want a group of strangers coming to my house. More importantly than that, it goes without saying, you want the actors to show up to auditions and you want them to be comfortable. You want them to feel safe and secure. Now, I had seven or eight actresses I was auditioning. I'm in my 50s. Can you imagine that phone call? Hey, 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 hi, my name's Dave. I'm shooting a movie, a feature film. I'd love for you to audition. Uh, I'm having auditions uh, 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 at my house. Would you like to come over on audition? Uh, yeah, if I'm an actress, I'm not going to some strange pervert's house to audition for, quote, a movie, unquote. So yeah, it's all about being professional. You hook yourself up with an audition space, that's automatic street cred right there for you. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'll bet people do that, though. No way. If you're in a big city like LA, New York... Atlanta, Chicago, there are spaces that you can rent. Just like a big room, maybe a big office, chairs, table. And that's where you want to have your auditions. I don't know if I talked about that in pre-production. I may have. Forgive me if I did. But, you know, that's another expense. That's another added expense that you have to account for. Depending upon how many cast members you have and how many characters you're going to audition. You know, you, you might be there one day. You might be there two days. You might be there three days. All you have to do is Google search audition space near me and something will come up. Typically like a community playhouse can make money doing that, a school, a church, you know, wherever. But if you're going to have auditions, you need to rent space to have those auditions. Mo' money, mo' money, mo' money. So I just want to be crystal clear when I talk about not having auditions that I did have auditions because I had groups of males and groups of females who had never been a lead in a film. They had just had small little parts. So I felt it was necessary for me to audition them, see what they looked like through the camera lens, see if they could accept my notes and act on them. And, you know, my voice wasn't going in one ear and out the other. And then later on, after I fired my first Brooke, then what I did was I had my next choice of Brooke. Remember, always have a list of like five. So scratch off one, go to two, call two. I did have Brooke number two meet with Derek number one, and I was looking for that chemistry thing, as well as confirming that they could take direction, that they would respond to my notes. I had two things working for me there. I was killing two birds with one stone, looking for the chemistry and looking to see if they responded to my direction. And then I did the same thing after I fired Brooke number two. Then I did the same thing with Brooke number three. And then after I fired Brooke number three, Derek number one quit. (laughs) Way to go, Dave. Way to go. Then I went to my Derek number two, who had auditioned for Derek. And I talked to him on the phone and I offered him the role. The fourth Brooke, (laughs) there was like two weeks before day one of shooting. 
There was no time to audition. I just went to that list of girls, went down the list, got to her, called her up. We had a discussion, sent her the script, talked again on the phone. Everything seemed cool. I offered her the job. And then that's when I got in touch with Derek number two and uh, asked Derek number two to get together with Brooke number four, have a bite to eat, drink a couple cold ones, talk, chat, and then let me know tomorrow what your feelings are. And then when I hung up with him, I called her. Hey, you know, can you get together with Derek number two? You guys can just shoot the shit. See if you have any chemistry. And that's how that went down. We talked about that on the last episode. I called them both the next day. They both had really positive things to say about the other. And off we went. Yep, I got lucky. I just wanted to clear all that up just so you guys don't think I'm never going to have auditions again and for the rest of my life. No. Definitely audition somebody who doesn't have experience. I can't drive that point home enough. Don't audition somebody who has been there and done that, who knows their shit. Oh, there's that word again. All right, production. I'm going to tell you the number one thing. Let me back up. I'm going to assume right now that you are the producer and director on your film. And what I'm about to say applies to you if you are a producer-director, or if you are a director who is lucky enough to have a producer, doesn't matter. Your number one, your number one priority, your number one job, the most important thing you can do during production, and you can even go as far as to say you do this in pre-production and you also do it in post-production. You have to communicate. You have to communicate your vision. You have to communicate and get your point across so everyone is on the same page. You're the leader of this group. Everyone has to be on the page that you're on. It's a group effort. You all have to focus and the goal has to be to get through production by keeping the problems and the headaches and the little crises that are going to pop up. Crises? Crises. Crises. (laughs) All the crises that are going to pop up. Because like I told you before, every day something is going to go wrong. And let me bring out CyberDad. Here comes CyberDad. To all you youngsters who are thinking about getting married, regardless of your age, if you're thinking about getting married, the day you get married, something will go wrong. That's just the way it is. And it's the same thing with making a movie. But your wedding day is one day. Your movie is 18 days, 20 days, two months, six months. A year if you're a studio production or more. (laughs) Could you imagine? I can't imagine. So communication is the key. Cyber dad, come here. You're not done yet. Communication is the key to every relationship in your life, to every job you ever do in your life, to every partner that you have in life, to every spouse you have in life, to every child you have in life, to every sibling you have in life, to a healthy relationship with mom and dad. It's communication. Communication is the key to life. Period. Drop the mic. Bye, Cyber Dad. Okay, I'm back. If you're the director of your film, which you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you're not going to be the director, more than likely, you're going to be speaking to your actors and your cinematographer. Those are the two relationships on set that are going to be so important to you. If you have a producer, if you're lucky enough to have a producer, you're also going to communicate with him. 
If you're the producer-director, you're going to be talking with your cinematographer and your actors more than anyone else. So if you're the producer-director, you're going to be spending so much time talking to the cinematographer and your actors. If you're just the director and you have a producer, you're going to be talking to the cinematographer, the actors, and the producer. But the producer's job is to keep shit off your back. So more than likely, the producer's not going to bother you. If you have a question, you're going to go to the producer. But the producer is going to try to stay out of your space and let you do your thing. Let me bring up the first AD. I did not forget about the first AD. But, you know, on some independent shoots, there's not going to be a first AD. You know, we didn't have a first AD. I was the first AD. If you're lucky enough to have a first AD... So as a director, you'll be talking to the producer, you'll be talking to the cinematographer, you'll be talking to the actors. The AD, you're basically going to hear from the AD more than you're going to talk to the AD. Because the AD is the traffic cop. The AD is going to be watching the clock. The AD is going to tell you, you know, you have this much time to get this setup done and then we have to move on, blah, 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 blah. If you're lucky enough to have an AD, you will talk with that AD, but the conversations that you're going to have with that AD are basically going to be more one-sided than input from you until you look at the AD and say, don't worry about it. (laughs) Especially if you're paying for it. If you're paying for it, you don't need an AD because you are the money man. You set the tone. You decide when it's time to move on to the next setup. But having an AD is nice because sometimes you lose track of time. Sometimes you could be in a setup and, uh, wow, you've you've been in this setup for an hour and a half and it should have only taken a half hour. So it's nice to have an AD to just remind you of shit like that. But yeah, I did not forget about the AD. So the AD is another position that uh, you will be conversing with. More often than not, you're going to be listening to the AD tell you what's going on. Does that make sense? Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you're an introvert, if you don't communicate well, if you're self-aware enough to know your strengths and your weaknesses, are you? You should be. And if you aren't, you need to work on that. You need to be honest with yourself about what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. And if communication is a weakness for you, I would not make a movie. I'm sorry. It's not for you. You know, just forget about what I just said. You guys have common sense. You know damn good and well that as a director, you're going to be talking to the actors. You're going to be talking to the cinematographer. What if you have a crew? You're going to be talking to them. You can't just ice them all out. You're the leader and you lead by example. You got to say good morning to everybody. You got to deal with the food. You got to deal with the PAs. You got to deal with the rental equipment company. You got to deal with the location owners. There are so many people you have to communicate with when you make a movie. And that's just pre-production and and production. Post-production, you got a whole other group of people you're going to have to deal with. And then when you're done with the movie, depending upon how you're going to distribute it or even play film festivals, there's another whole group of people you're going to have to communicate with. (laughs) And don't get me started on Q&As. When you go to a film fest and they show your movie, and then after your screening, You're front and center taking questions from total strangers. Yeah, you have to be a communication god to get through those Q&As without looking like a dick. (laughs) I'm pretty sure more often I looked like a dick. Don't take it lightly when I tell you that if you are not a good communicator, you shouldn't make a movie. I'm not saying that to be flip or to be funny. 
I am serious as a heart attack. Because I don't want you to try to make a movie and the whole production becomes the Titanic. You think you're ever going to pick yourself up and try again? If you go through pre-production and then during production, the whole set just falls apart and people walk off, people leave, and then you have to pull the plug. And when you pull the plug, you think, oh, we'll just stop for now and then we'll get back into it. No, no, it's not going to work out that way. I'm sorry to tell you that. You pull the plug, it's never going to happen. I'm just trying to be real with y'all. You really need to be self-aware and make sure that you can communicate well. That word communicate, obviously with a cinematographer, you know what you're communicating. You're communicating shots. You're communicating the lighting that you want. With the actors, you're communicating you know, where you want them to go, blocking, how you want them to see this scene. What's the subtext underneath this line? We'll get into all that later. With your grips, uh, people who are just moving shit around for you. There's that word again. To the PAs, just to anybody who is there on the set to help you see your vision through. And maybe they're doing it for free. Those are the ones you have to be nice to. You have to say good morning to them. You have to ask them how their night was, how their day is going. You know, we had a union crew. And when we were done with a setup and we were going to move to the next setup, I went down and started grabbing C-stands and lights and moving stuff. And they stopped me. They were like, no, Dave, you can't do that. I said, dude, this is not a union shoot. Don't worry about it. I'm not sure how they took it. Some of them were like, oh, okay, all right, as long as you're good with it. But I live by that rule that I'm not going to ask anybody to do something that I wouldn't do myself. I know... When I sit here and talk about communication during production, that some of you take it for granted, like, well, Dave, tell me something I don't know, duh. But I can't stress enough how your actions and how you communicate with everybody on a day-in and day-out basis is going to mold your set and mold the attitude and the vibe and the energy on your set. You don't want to mutiny. You don't want to piss people off. And I, I pissed one or two people off because I'm just a hard ass that way remember? But I mean, the people that I pissed off, it was over very minute things. It was over very bullshit subject matter. So we'll get to that. I'll I'll give you all the groovy, gross details. I'll give you all the scuttlebutt. But you know, like we've talked about before, and we'll talk about again, I'm sure. You get a group of people together, everyone is not going to like everybody. And they're not all going to like you. And I don't have to be liked. And you don't have to be liked as a director by the people who are there. They don't have to love you. They don't have to like you. But they have to believe in what you're doing. They have to believe in the project. You know, there were probably a number of people who probably wouldn't even have drank a beer with me afterwards. Not that I did that. Some of the crew, some of the folks would uh, go out and have a drink, you know, on a Saturday night when we were off on Sunday. I didn't. I, I was way too tired. I wanted to go home and go to bed. But those same people came up to me on day one. They said, Dave, I read your script. It's fucking amazing. Love it. Communication issues can plague an independent film set, and it can also plague a studio film set. The directors of Talk To Me, Danny and Michael Philippou. I think that's how you pronounce their last name, Philippou. If you guys listened to the Joe Rogan podcast that I told you about last episode... They shared an experience that they had with their composer. So the two brothers talk to this composer, give the composer their ideas, what they're looking for, and then the composer goes away and does his thing. Well, the brothers had a distribution deal with A24. And when you have a distribution deal with a big company, 
you have a deadline. The picture has to be locked. Everything has to be finished by this certain day because this company is depending upon you to deliver the project on this day so they can go ahead and move forward with their marketing plans and their distribution plans and their timelines for marketing and distribution. So you have to get your shit together and hand that movie over. Well, if you listen to the podcast, these guys said they met with the composer with just weeks to go for the A24 deadline, and they weren't happy with the composer. The composer did not do what they asked him to do. So then they had to go out and find another composer and quickly, very quickly, come up with a new score, and they got it done in time. Now, where's the communication problem? Was it on the brothers? Did they not communicate their vision for the score in an accurate way to this composer? Or did the composer just not listen? You know, I've been with the same woman for 41 years. And it's very easy sometimes to not listen. (laughs) Where the voice of another person goes in one ear and out the other. Now, I don't know who this composer was, but you know, if he was a composer and he had that God complex that we were talking about, and here are these two young Aussie directors giving the composer their vision and the composer just poo-poos it off. It's like, these guys don't know what the hell they're doing here. Let me, let me give them something good. I would be willing to bet communication issues are prevalent on just about every damn set around the world. Because we're humans, we're not perfect, and our communication isn't perfect either. All we can do is try, right? Just give it 100%. And you don't want to waste time blaming people and pointing fingers. Okay, so the composer didn't do what the boys wanted them to do. So then they had a decision to make. Work with the same composer and redo things, or just boot him off the project and find another composer. And they found another composer. Yeah, check that podcast out. If you can put up with the brothers and their hyperactivity and their the sound of their voices, uh, there's some pretty cool stuff in there. That's my two cents on communication. That's the number one thing you got to be able to do. If you're going to be a filmmaker, you know, I, I guess if you're Scorsese or Nolan or whoever, you can have your producer go up to the crew and say, don't look at him in the eyes. Don't ever say anything to him. You know, you got that whole shit going on. There's that word again. If you get to that status level, sure, do what you want to do. I'm talking about being an independent filmmaker, making your first feature film. Maybe it's your money. Maybe it's someone else's money. You know, I've had that discussion with one of my filmmaking friends. What stresses you out more? If it's your money that you're spending or if it's someone else's money that you're spending? What stresses you out more? For me personally, it's if I was using someone else's money. That's another reason why I wanted to pay for this movie, because I didn't have to answer to someone. And then if it was a total bomb and it didn't work out and, you know, it was just a waste of time and energy and money, then I wouldn't feel so bad. You know, as far as I was concerned, my wife signed off on it. That's the only person I had to cater to. And she gave me free reign. So yeah, it'd be someone else's money would stress me out to no end. I'd be so worried. All right, let's get out of here. This was a very simple discussion today, but I think it's one that you have to think about and that you have to understand is very, very important. And we will get into the specifics of communication later on, especially talking to actors. We might do that the next episode. Everybody have a great week and always be a lion, not a sheep. Later. Later.